Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now, time to talk culture, one of the cutting edges of our culture, new media, social media, with our guru in this ever-accelerating realm, Steve Krieger. As always, lots to talk about. Steve, welcome back. Thanks, Lee. Always good to be here. Good on you. Steve, first, there's a, a great deal of attention being paid to Mormonism at the moment with the Republicans Mitt Romney in the United States. He's a Mormon taking on Barack Obama for the US presidency in November. In the past, they've been renowned, among other things, for door knocking, but it seems less and less now. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're, they're the ones we always expect to be knocking on our doors uh, just when we're tucking into dinner on a Monday night. Uh, they've been doing that for 200 years or so, but now uh, they're looking to expand their channels and they're using social media or trying to use social media to reach a new audience. They estimate that one uh, post on Facebook uh, has a reach of up to 900,000 people and you've got to look at how many people it would take pounding the pavement to get a similar kind of impact. Last time I looked, they had over 615,000 fans of their Facebook page. So They've got a significant number of followers. Even Jesus on his official, uh, however you want to call that, Facebook page only has, uh, I think, a bit over 200,000. So make of that what you will. Uh, So they've got this new platform and they're trying to make the most of it. To be honest, it looks like a really daggy Facebook page. Um, A lot of, I guess, comic book pictures of, um, of white Jesus wandering around in flowing robes. But they are having a lot of influence on Facebook. The most recent post that I saw had a a quote from one of their founders or one of their elders. This quote had been shared on Facebook nearly 800 times and liked over 3,400 times. So keeping in mind that every every time someone likes a post or, or shares a post, that content is distributed amongst all of the followers of that particular yes. individual. Yeah. So that's a huge potential potential reach, and it's this kind of impact that I think the Mormons are, are trying to have. Here's the question, though. Will it work? Is there much evidence to show that someone's faith or religious affiliation can be changed much by social media? Yeah, I'm not sure on their page that it's going to have a huge impact, partly because, based on the content they're sharing, it's a bit of a a discussion amongst the already convinced rather than content that is particularly interesting or engaging for yes. uh, the the unbeliever. Uh, but I do think that social media has some powerful opportunities because it allows us to connect uh, with people. So it's all about relationships. And again, that's how evangelism works. We just share our lives with people and that intrigues them and causes them to, to want to know more. But there's also the great opportunity um, that anonymity presents. So the fact that people don't know who uh, you are, they don't know that you're kind of looking at your website content or your Facebook page or your Twitter stream, it allows interested people to follow along without having to walk into a physical building or a physical space. And, I mean, research shows, even in Australia, that the number one way Australians want to know about and explore religion is online. And the least popular place for Australians to explore spiritual things is in a small group discussion forum, which is completely different to how the church has really uh, approached it in the past. But that's the latest research that came out uh, at the end of last year uh, as it explored how to engage more Australians with Christian things and spiritual issues. And the Christian community needs to kind of get that. Somewhat in the same vein elsewhere, it appears that 
websites that Christian organisations are setting up are becoming the biggest target for hackers. Yeah, this is a, a surprise, perhaps, to many. So uh, this is a survey that was done by Symantec. They um, discovered that religious sites and, and ideological websites have far surpassed pornographic websites as targets for criminal hackers. In fact, they are three times as likely to encounter malware, a visitor to a, a religious or ideological website, three times more likely to uh, encounter malware than on any other site uh, on the internet. Steve, for the uninitiated, explain to us what malware is. Sure. So really, malware is just an all-encompassing term that picks up on uh, things like viruses and Trojan horses and basically all the the nasties that you can be infected by, impacted by as you as you browse online. So it's just short for malicious software. And basically, this software, it's usually uh, installed without your consent by clicking on a link. And this happens, you know, with clicking on a link in an email or visiting a, a website. It used to be quite disreputable websites, clicking on a link, and then some software would be installed on your computer that would do various things. It would control your computer. So some malware completely takes it over and takes it out of your control. It would install viruses to destroy the content of your computer. It would steal the content of your computer. Basically, all those things that you don't want to happen when you're, uh, when you're browsing online. No. And the problem that they've discovered is that Christian websites are particularly prone to have this impact on their on their visitors. And as you say, there's been quite a turnaround in the targets from the porn industry, which used to be a big target, now to the religious sites. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the porn industry used to be well known for a place where you would go and then you would have malware installed. In recent years, you know, as, it's, as that industry sadly has grown, they've become more savvy about their security measures and so they've beefed up what they need to do to keep their users safe but church websites uh, and christian websites uh, haven't taken the same uh, precautions Uh, and so they've explained that the reason that the christian websites are the target for these uh, malware providers is because they're often run by amateurs they're doing it in their spare time and they're often not really aware of a, the security risks, and B, the, the measures that they should be implementing to protect the visitors to these websites. So it really does, yet again, reinforce the need for Christian groups and churches to lift their game and act more professionally, even in this arena. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, they, people often kind of think, oh, Christian websites, they wouldn't be affected. They're so small. We've got to remember the people who are producing the software don't care about the size of your website. They crawl the internet looking for websites that have security uh, breaches that are easy to hack. They're not looking for maximum size. They're looking for the maximum number of websites that they can attack. And as you say, it's about uh, churches taking these things seriously. The last thing we want is people coming to church websites, looking for information, um, and then ending up having their whole computer corrupted as a result. So what's your advice to churches? Because they won't have anything like the resources to pour into their websites as many other organisations. Think firstly about the people that we appoint to create our websites. Uh, it may not be suitable um, to have just you know the first person who puts their hand up, or that kind of 15-year-old who's just finished their semester in IT who says, "I'll give it a go," yes. to imp- implement that site for you. But also, we need to remember there's lots of great tools 
that are available for free that have all of the or many of the uh, the security precautions built in. Uh, platforms like WordPress, for example, are particularly secure and are constantly being improved, and they do all this for free. And again, there's lots of providers out there who create church websites, and this is their bread and butter. They know what they're doing, um, and they'll look after the site for you. I think, you know, as you said earlier, it's about taking this seriously and being professional. Um, and this applies to church websites in so many different ways. Too right. And on the need to perhaps think on a different plane, there's a call for computer and online game makers to take up the challenge of really lifting their game when it comes to Christian games. I didn't realise actually how big the Christian gaming no. market is. I mean, no. I'm not much of a gamer myself. I'm not sure about you, Lee, whether you're Used to be. constantly on the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, <Look at> No <laughs> time. There was a survey that was done, you know, an experience, an article written recently that was exploring some of these Christian computer games and the overwhelming response, and I think the, um, the author was reasonably sympathetic towards Christianity, was just how horrifically daggy and terrible <laughs> these Christian games are. Oh, no. There's a, a huge market and there's heaps of Christians who are gamers, yeah. Uh, yeah. and there's Christian game developers, uh, which was a surprise to me as well. These guys exist overseas. They're creating lots of content for people, but the content is just terrible. I mean, they're talking about help Noah move the animals onto the ark, or one is zap the heathen zombies with a conversion ray. I mean, it makes you feel ill uh, as a Christian, let alone as someone who yeah. has no exposure to, to the faith. Yeah. And uh, the author said, I mean, there's plenty of good biblical content. I mean, what about all those wars in the Bible? <laughs> totally. um, why aren't we maximizing this for, for, for gaming yeah. purposes? But the state of Christian gaming at the moment, not so great. There's a group called Gamers for Jesus, we found. Yeah, that's right. So uh, they will um, study the Bible together and then hit the PlayStation for the rest of the night and kill each other. So uh, I think probably not an uncommon sight in Bible studies around Australia. Yeah, this Christian Game Developers Conference has been expressing this need and this desire for the game, literally, I suppose, to be lifted. What are they after or what will and what won't work if we're not going to count Noah's animals onto the ark on our computer? <laughs> and we, sh we certainly shouldn't be doing that. But no. uh, they made a couple of good points. Firstly, I mean, no one likes morality being pushed onto them. So if games are just going to be a platform for Christians pushing their views, uh, that's going to have a very uh, small market of appeal. There's a great opportunity to use games to express the creativity um, and the wonder of the world that we live in and the relationships that we have and then allow those things to subtly point to God rather than using them as an opportunity for some kind of very strict moralizing about how we should live. Yes. Uh, and I think you know, gamers, like many people, don't want to be necessarily told this is what you need to do. Uh, they want to explore those things for themselves, and that's the opportunity that gamers provide. Would you be encouraging Christian people to be part of the gamer world? As I said before, it's not for me. I, I remember actually a couple of years ago, I'd never really got into games. And it was a, a Sunday night and I was um, just hanging out with some friends and they said, why don't we play some games? We did. And then I looked out the window and it was light and I'd realised we'd been playing until 6am in the morning. It had this great... I, I was surprised. None of have done this before. It's a great capacity that has to suck you in. So. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's a way that lots of people like to relax, but the risk is with this, perhaps more than many other endeavours, that it can take up a lot more of your time uh, without you knowing it. And it can be, despite what people say about, you know, chatting with other gamers online as you play, a reasonably antisocial um, activity yeah. um, as you lock yourself away in your bedroom and play into the wee hours. Steve Krieger, always great to talk. Thanks so much for joining us again. Thank you, Lee.
We hope you enjoy this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.